You are listening to episode number 18 of the Mind Body Academy podcast with Sarah Rose. This isn't an NBA. This is the NBA. This is the place for you to get coached and make health and happiness the business of how you get ahead in life. You get coached. Coached. This is the startup of you. You get coached. And now, your coach, Sarah Rose. Hey guys, I'm so incredibly grateful to have this time to connect with you and check in with you and see how everything is going. How are you feeling about everything right now in your life? I know that right now a lot of us are facing stress and uncertainty and a real sense of insecurity around the evolution of the coronavirus and how it's spreading and how it's touching so many lives. And it can be difficult to see the good when there's just this spread that coats right over it. But I think it's so important to come back to what's beneath all of that and to what we have the opportunity to open our eyes to, you know, when we don't have everything that allows us to distract away from what's really at the core of our lives, when all of a sudden all these things that were in our blind spot are brought into focus, we can really decide the relationship we want to have with our lives and who we want to be in our lives no matter what's going on. And so I think now more than ever, it's so important to use what's going on in our lives, in our communities, in the world as an opportunity and not an excuse. Now more than ever, we need people who are ready to take responsibility and step up and lead and decide to be an example through these times of what's possible. And so... I just wanted to offer that because I do see so many people around me respond to what's going on from a place of calm and really noticing how we access so much more creativity in these times when we allow ourselves to be with our lives as they are now and to appreciate where we are and to even appreciate the problems that we have because Even within our misfortune, there's quite often a lot of fortune when we think of having shelter or having family and people to reach out to and that sort of thing. Really seeing how choosing the problems that we have frees us to be with them in a way where we're not escaping them and we can be with them long enough to understand them and find solutions for them when the time is right. So in the last episode of the podcast, I spoke to you about stress eating. If you're somebody who overeats to deal with your emotions, 
especially in a time where emotions are running high, you have to go back to that episode and listen to it. There are a lot of people who are putting their weight loss on pause because of what's going on with the coronavirus. And it feels like it's not a good time to focus on weight loss. But what I want to offer is that the good time to focus on weight loss is when you want to lose weight. What you are going through right now is a situation that has a lot of stress around it. If you can go through a situation like that and use that as an opportunity to process negative emotion instead of overeat, I promise that not only will you come through this lighter physically, but mentally as well. The only reason we gain weight is because we resist feeling what we're feeling. That's it. And if you don't feel what you're feeling, maybe stress, maybe uncertainty, maybe deprivation, it's going to become a weight on your life. Maybe in your body, but also in the things that you feel held back by. There are two ways that I've been observing some of you resisting the emotion that's been coming up. The first is the stress eating and binge eating, which we covered last week. And on the other end of the spectrum, many of you have been reporting to me that it's been difficult for you to eat anything at all, that you've stopped eating altogether or only very sporadically. That had some of you reaching out to me for some guidance. So I first want to talk about why this happens. And then we'll get into what's actually problematic about not eating and how it messes with your weight loss. And of course, what can you do about it? So when a stress response gets triggered, the body mobilizes its resources to ward off the threat. The human brain cannot distinguish between life or death demands or the high stress of situations like job loss or social isolation. All the brain registers is possible impending death. And the stress of that primes the body to run away or fight, even if the situation is not life-threatening. When stress hijacks the control of your mind and body, energy gets diverted from the rest and digest functions in the body and kicks the body into fight-or-flight mode. This cuts our hunger, and it makes sense because it would be pretty inconvenient to crave a sandwich while running away from a tiger, right? (laughs) So what happens is the body starts pumping out high doses of cortisol and adrenaline, which are acidic in nature. So when we're in a state of perpetual stress, our body is being flooded with acid and the acid seeps into our digestive tract as well as our skin so that you taste bad if a predator tried to bite you. And (laughs) You know those nervous poos you get right before you do something majorly stressful like give a presentation. (laughs) That's your body trying to make you lighter on your feet so you'll be able to get away. So you can eat all the healthy food you want, but if you're washing it down with an acidic response due to high levels of stress, your body isn't able to absorb and properly metabolize a lot of those nutrients. Your body is flushing a lot of good stuff right out. So when you're experiencing high stress, that whole elimination process in the body is irregular. (laughs) 
Now, where things get interesting is that we have a second brain in the body. There's another organ in our body which controls as much of our physical and mental functions as the brain in our heads. It's the ecosystem of microbes in your gut. And your health and digestion is incredibly dependent on the integrity of your gut microbiome. Your gut bacteria digest certain foods, produces essential vitamins and hormones, controls your blood sugar and blood cholesterol levels. This means the types of bacteria in your intestines can significantly impact not only your appetite, but your risk of certain diseases like obesity and diabetes. What's the feeling of stress in your body if you were to go into that and create that? Have you ever noticed that gut feeling that something bad could happen, that sensation? That's because your brain and your second brain think doubly to process the stress that you might be experiencing. So our bellies and our brains are intimately connected, both physically and biochemically. Prolonged exposure to stressors can affect not only brain health, but the health of our guts, which supports the immune system of the body. So it's not just your hunger that gets dysregulated when you're under a lot of stress, it's your health. And that's important for you to know. When you're in fight or flight, your immune system gets thrown out of whack because the body is more preoccupied with averting what it believes to be an immediate predatory attack than warding off something like cancer, for example. It's adaptive and protective for your body to get stressed, right? If there was an immediate predatory attack, but it's toxic and disruptive for your body to stay stressed, especially when the threat itself is more imagined than real. When you go without eating because you're stressed, this places further undue stress on your body and it compromises your ability to lose weight. I want to explain this because some people think that skipping meals or not eating is conducive to weight loss. Not so. It really throws you off and it sabotages your progress. And I'm not talking about intermittent fasting here, which has a lot of health benefits when you know what you're doing. I'm talking about blatant disregard for your body's needs. The body has a mechanism to defend its set point body weight against changes both up and down. So it's important to understand how to regulate the set point of the body. But you, what you need to understand right now is that if you restrict and stop eating, your body tries to compensate by decreasing its total energy expenditure. And even if you lose some weight in the beginning, as you lose the weight, your metabolism begins to shut down and your hormones that regulate your weight and your appetite are thrown all out of whack. So in order to further or simply maintain that weight loss, you would need to reduce your caloric intake further and further. And if you don't, your weight either plateaus or it begins to creep back up even if you're eating less than previously. When you're stressed, you downregulate your metabolism. So you're constantly fighting your body in order to lose weight. Your body goes into survival mode. It's trying to take care of you. But you end up working at cross purposes with it if your intention is to be cultivating health and cultivating weight loss. When you manage your stress, 
your body simply works better and it cooperates with your weight loss so much better. You can bring your goal of weight loss in alignment with your body's goal of taking care of you when you're eating in a way to allow yourself to be fueled. So how do we reduce stress enough to restore a sense of our physical hunger to ensure that we're fueling ourselves correctly? The first step is to recognize that stress isn't something that happens to you. Stress is your reaction to what happens to you. Two people can have a very different reaction to the same situation. What's a problem to me might not be a problem to you. So stress itself doesn't emerge from the situation, but rather from how we are relating to the situation. It's how we're creating it in our minds that makes a particular situation stressful or not. It's how we're thinking about it that's producing how we feel about it. The highs and lows of life are controlled by our emotions and their associated chemicals in our brains. I want you to think about what emotion is. Emotions are harmless. No matter how chaotic or scary the thought from which it originates, the emotion is harmless. Emotion is just vibration that originates in the mind and is experienced in the body. There's this passage from Seneca the Younger that reminds us we suffer much more in our imaginations than in reality. Our brains like to catastrophize. They like to kind of nudge us. Hey, hey, what about this thing? What about that thing? What if this happens? And we're like, oh my God, I don't want that to happen. No shit, that's definitely going to happen. And we're prone to going to that worst case scenario. So if instead of trying to push it out of our minds or reacting to it and freaking out, we go to the worst case scenario willingly and we play it out and do our work on it to solve it, then we can settle that nagging sense that at some level we won't be able to handle whatever is thrown at us or whatever comes our way. What scares us so often is that element of chance. So don't leave it to chance. Go to your worst case scenario and process that through. If instead of trying to avoid the problem, you go to work on the solution, you settle your nerves, making it much more likely that you will be able to avert disaster altogether and that if disaster strikes, you'll know exactly what to do to take care of yourself in the midst of it. And that makes disaster so much less disastrous if you know that you will be capable of handling it. Tim Ferriss prescribes an exercise called fear setting to do just that. What creates a lot of fear is that most of us entertain only some vague sense of what the worst case scenario might actually be. So in order to reduce fear, we want to add layers of detail into what our sense of the worst case scenario might be. And that way we can identify pathways of action that it could afford us the ability to respond. So what the exercise of fear setting consists of is three primary segments. At the top of a page, you fill out a what if statement with your worst case scenario. For example, what if I can't afford to keep my business going or pay my rent? because of the changes brought about by the coronavirus. 
You fill that statement in with whatever is causing you anxiety. Now, beneath that statement, you create three columns. At the top of column number one, you write the word define. This is where you give yourself the space to answer why this particular scenario would be such a problem for you. You write down the worst possible things you can imagine happening. You want to capture 10 to 20 answers. At the top of the next column, column number two, you want to write down the word prevent. You're going to go through the numbered responses you gave under the define column, and you're going to put your brain to work on coming up with answers to what you could do to prevent that situation from happening or decreasing the likelihood of it, even if it's just a little. Then we go to that third and final column. You're going to write down the word repair and run through each of the scenarios from that first column and decide what you could do if each one of those things did happen to repair the damage. Again, even if it's just a little bit. You want to give yourself a sense of having some power and agency over what could happen to you. And sometimes it's not so much a matter of coming up with what you could do, but coming up with who you could go to for help, who you could ask, who has solved this before, who could you look to? So now you've defined the worst case scenario, you identified preventative measures that you can implement and measures of reparation, which bolsters your confidence that you can handle the worst. Because when you get really granular, the worst part of the worst is always an emotion. What makes the worst so intolerable is the emotion at the root of it, the emotion it conjures up. But there's no emotion you can't withstand feeling. We really get that no feeling is final when we do this exercise. No matter the degree of discomfort, we have all survived emotions that feel like a kind of death like grief or terror or shame or humiliation. They all come to pass when we agree to experiencing them. They become companions to our humanness rather than blocks to it. When we're at the grips of negative emotion and don't cling back, we let it be human to feel. We don't make it mean that something's gone wrong. We let it be okay to feel the way that we're feeling. When we try to numb by feeding what we feel or by starving it, we disconnect from our bodies. We ignore what's really going on with us. We block ourselves off from deeper levels of understanding that are needed in order to bring ourselves to that space where the emotion is able to release. By doing an exercise like fear setting, we can relieve some of the stress we have around experiencing negative emotion and repurpose that stress in an adaptive way. So that way we can tap the sources of our ingenuity, vision, and inspiration to create some calming down and come up with solutions. Instead of dealing with the worst case scenario when you're in reactionary mode, you're able then to remain clear, open, and capable of coming up with creative and elegant solutions. 
your brain will be better equipped to de-escalate a panicked response to a stressor. And even the biggest setback can then become an even bigger opportunity for growth, for showing yourself what you're capable of and evolving. If you take this opportunity right now, with everything going on, not to escape what you're feeling, but to face it, you will have a better understanding of who you are. You will see what happens not only to your waistline, but to your life when you stop letting yourself be so stopped by your emotions. This is a very easy time to find excuses and justifications to neglect yourself. But if there's one thing we need to be learning from all of this, is just how important taking care of our health is. I want to recommend that you make your self-care a number one priority for you right now. This craziness aside, we can always come up with a reason to justify delaying prioritizing our health and our weight loss, and it can seem very valid. But you have to be able to get to the bottom of what it is you are feeling and set a strong foundation of physical and mental health to put a stake in the ground and put yourself right on track for the life you want to be creating. Not once this is over, but right now. It's during the hard times that you have to hunker down and set yourself up. You have to reaffirm your commitment to what you want so you can strengthen your resolve. That's how we build not only strength, not only our bodies, but our lives. Your life isn't what happens to you. It's what you make of what happens to you. So keep calm and carry on. I'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for being an awesome listener of the podcast. Your health is your number one wealth asset. And your body is the vehicle for you to make that contribution you want to make to the world. Step into a vision of success that includes health and happiness by joining my one-on-one coaching program where you'll work directly with me in Think Yourself Slim to do just that. Or be part of the conversation in the Genius Body community over on Facebook. Let's start a transformation today.